Hello and welcome back to College Football Fanatics Podcast. We're going to be talking about uh, week seven games. We're also going to be talking about some other larger topics like uh, Michigan's dominance as well as like can Alabama make the playoffs this year. Um, All this is going to be up right after this intro. See you guys soon. Hello and welcome back to our Friday episode. I apologize I haven't been able to make an episode in the past few weeks. Uh, I've been really busy with school and uh, I just recently played soccer. So um, we've been in the middle of our soccer season. So it is it is a really big, uh, really big uh, uh, thing and um, it's been taking some time away and, and I had just haven't had time to make this with my schoolwork and everything like that. So but I am back. Uh, this is the Friday. This is our Friday episode for Week Seven. Uh, it's gonna we're gonna preview a couple of games. Um, uh, some of the really really fun games, I, and I'm really excited for uh, Oregon and and, and Washington. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I want to first get to just a, just some of the games that I think that are are gonna be some some fun to watch um, this this uh, this weekend. So. Um, the first game is going to be Tennessee, te- uh, Texas A&M. I don't think Texas A&M is going to win, uh, but Tennessee has been pretty good against most its opponent uh, against most of its opponents. So it should be a fun game to watch. But again, I expect Texas A&M to really uh, to pretty much lose. Um, Tennessee is is surprisingly, in my opinion, uh, a minus three uh, favorite currently. Uh, I think it should be higher than that, but you know. What, what can you say? They're playing at Neyland Stadium, so I don't know why it isn't higher than that, but it should be. Uh, and the over-under is uh, 54.5. Um, obviously, Texas A&M is 4-2, and two, and Tennessee is 4-1. and one. Um, But I still I think Texas A&M, or Tennessee plays, plays higher brands of football than uh, Texas A&M does. Uh, next up is going to be the USC-Notre Dame game. Um, I really think Notre Dame is going to win this game because I think Notre Dame plays much better defense than USC has seen. And I think that that's going to make a huge difference because USC has not looked like the all in out favorites that some, some commentators and some people, uh, were, were thinking they were going to be like, I, I, there were, I was listening to some people in the beginning of the season who thought USC was going to go all the way this year. They were going to win a national championship, but they haven't played defense to the level that you need to to win a national championship, and they really haven't played offense against some of their uh, against some of their re- more recent opponents that you need to also to win a national championship. That Arizona game really went kind of down to the wire, and it was uh, it was a tough game for USC, and I I don't like that they basically played Arizona, who's three and three, who's a five hundred team. Uh, basically to the last few minutes of the game. It really is not, it's not a good look for USC. Uh, Notre Dame obviously, obviously lost to, uh, to Louisville. They obviously lost to Ohio State. Um, so Louisville, I think, is a much better team than, than people had previously thought. But 
and, and I actually haven't talked about them at all in the podcast previously, but Notre Dame is also, I think that, that, that Ohio state game was really let down and it carried over to that Louisville game, uh, to some extent as well. Uh, Miami, North Carolina, I, uh, Miami does not deserve their number 25 spot. Not in, not in any way, shape or form. Are they a top 25 team? In my opinion, Maryland deserves their top 25 spot way over Miami, way over Miami. But of course, Maryland's going to get rubbed. Uh, and, and Miami is going to get what it is because Miami is, uh, for some reason sticks in people's minds as, you know, a comeback team of the year. It's not, I don't think Mario Cristobal has done a really that great of a job currently in Miami. This is just year two, so it couldn't get better. But I, you know, I think if, if next year it doesn't get better, uh, then Miami's going to have to look at a, a couple of different things. Miami's just, they don't look like an, a top 25 team. Um, and then the last game that I want to point out is NC State versus Duke. NC State's a good team. They are. You can't look at it and say, this is not a good team. Yes, they lost to Marshall. Yes, uh, I can't remember who their other loss was, but yes, they lost. Uh, oh, sorry, they lost to Louisville. So it's it, this isn't like a game that, that you should just count out. Louisville's a good team. Marshall, in my opinion, is also a good team. They have Cam Fancher, and they also have their running back, Rashawn Ali. So both are, are good players. Rashawn Ali, in my opinion, is a top three or four running back in, in the NCAA right now. In my opinion, he should probably go between the third and fourth rounds. Um, it, he is a really, really good running back. Um, Duke is also a very good team. Uh, Riley Leonard is questionable for this game the last I heard um I don't I think I think it's doubtful he'll play but we'll see what happens with that if he comes out then I think Duke has a real chance of of beating NC State if he doesn't I think that NC State is a pretty good bet to beat Duke um so the line on that game is currently uh Duke minus three uh, and the over-under is 44. So it's predicted to be a fairly low-scoring game. Um, UCLA and Oregon State. Sorry, one more. Uh, UCLA, UCLA and Oregon State are playing each other. The both uh, They both have one loss. Um, Oregon State's 5-1. and one, UCLA is 4-1. and one, uh, And UCLA is the, uh, is the visitors that are going to Beaver Stadium uh, in, uh, in Oregon. Um. And Oregon State's favored minus three, uh, minus 3.5, uh, and the over-under is 40, uh, 54.5. But I don't think you should count out uh, UCLA. Even, you know, the betters aren't even counting them out, even though it's a, a 3.5 um, game. UCLA is still a good team. They're not as good as they were last year, not by any stretch of the imagination, but they're still a talented team with a lot of uh, a lot of pieces in that offense. Uh, uh, Dante Moore, their freshman uh, quarterback, has shown some of his freshman uh, has shown some of his freshman mistakes, but he overall he's played pretty good football. Uh, he currently has um, I think he has around I think he's like 1900 passing yards. Um, sorry, he's, he's 1100 passing yards. My mistake. Uh, but he he is he's pretty good. And then DJ Ugolele, who transferred to Oregon State, I don't 
I don't think the hype is really there um, in the way it should, but I still th- I think this is going to be a, a game where quarterback matters far more than almost any other position on the field. I don't think uh, either of these teams can just hand it off to a running back for them to, to run away with this game. Um, Indiana goes to Michigan. Uh, Michigan's a 33-point favorite. Uh, Georgia goes to Vanderbilt. Georgia's a 32-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Ohio State-Purdue. None, none of those games are going to be particularly close. Um, the Purdue game could be pretty interesting. Hudson Card at Purdue has performed okay. They're currently 2-4, and four, but I don't, I don't blame that entirely on Hudson Card. Um, although he does have five interceptions, which you don't want. Um, yeah, you don't want when, when you have a quarterback who has 14, sorry, 1500 yards, you don't want six touchdowns and five interceptions. You're looking for more like 12 touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, but unfortunately, Hudson Card has made a few more mistakes than uh, than than they had previously thought. So now to the big game of the week, uh, and that's going to be the Oregon Washington game. I think Washington's going to come away with this uh, with this win. I think their defense is better than Oregon's, in my opinion. This is just from from me looking at it and going, okay, the eye test it passes my it has passes my eye test higher than Oregon does. Although I will say Oregon had a phenomenal start to the game uh, in in against Portland State. Um, obviously, they won eighty to zero, which was a a, a ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous score. Um, but I still think Michael Penix Jr. is a better quarterback than Bo Nix. Um, I think Michael Penix is a pretty high Heisman favorite. He's got 2,000 yards on the on the season. I, I want you to listen to, to uh, these three stats. He's got 2,000 yards, nine, 1,999 yards, 2,000 yards. Uh, he's got 16 touchdowns and two interceptions. An eight to one touchdown ratio is a really, really good ratio. Um, that you, you can't ask for much better. Um, so, but this this game's being played at uh, Washington at Husky Stadium in Seattle. Uh, surprise, surprise! It's going to be cloudy in Seattle. <laughs> Who would have thought Seattle is going to be cloudy? Um, this is this is a joke, by the way, but bad one, but it's a joke. Uh, the line is Washington minus three, and it's going to be a fairly high scoring game. According to ESPN with a 67, uh, over under, uh, is, is what, uh, what the line is currently the over under is currently set at. So, uh, next up, I want to talk about, uh, some, some, some of the reasons behind Michigan's dominance and, and kind of what uh, is going on over there in Ann Arbor. Uh, I've been to several of the games this year. I went to the Nebraska game. I went to the to the Minnesota game, and I went to the uh, season uh, uh, starter um, against. Oh my god! Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name, but I went to those three games, uh, and from what I see, Michigan, uh, their their keys are what their keys have been for the past three years, which is uh, dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, force your opponents to react to you. Don't react to your opponents. Uh, Make really good halftime adjustments. And then run the ball. Because running the ball 
opens up that passing option. And J.J. McCarthy is a more than adequate passer. He's currently projected to go to like the, he's currently projected to go as the fifth uh, pick. I think it's uh, to to the Vikings, I think is what, what was projected. Um, so you really, you're really looking at it. And, that, and those are the same keys of dominance that have been there for, for the past two, two, two years. And, uh, it's the same keys of dominance that, that, that has made Jim Harbaugh a good coach everywhere he's been. He gets big physical guys in the positions where he wants them, especially on the defensive and offensive lines. And he just bullies other teams into submission. You're not going to find a lot of teams that can go head to head with Michigan and by the third quarter, still be playing as well as they did in the first. You might find a team in, you'll probably find a team like that in, in maybe Penn State, uh, although they, they haven't been able to do that the past couple of years. You might find a team like that in Ohio State, but again, they haven't been able to do that. Uh, you If you really want to find a team that can, that can last as long as Michigan, you have to look outside the Big Ten. You have to look towards Georgia, um, and you have to look towards towards other really big physical teams like Alabama. But even then, you know, I I think an argument can be made that outside of those two teams, there really isn't another team out there that can really compete for all four quarters against this Michigan team. And we've seen that this season. I think J.J. McCarthy has only played one snap in the fourth quarter all season, and we're six games in. Six games, and he hasn't, he's only played one snap, I think, in a fourth quarter. And in the third quarter, he's being pulled out like halfway through because they're just completely demolishing their opponents. Now, they played a tough game against Bowling Green. I've heard some rumors that it's because like a lot of the team was sick during that week. And there was JJ was having some ankle issues and other things like that. So we could write it off like that, I will say. But, you know, that's the low point of this team at the moment. That's the lowest that that's the worst they've played. And they still beat their opponent by, I think, like three touchdowns, three or four touchdowns. It's a pretty good margin to win by against a I'm not going to say a decent opponent. They're at most average. I would, I would actually argue they're probably a little below average. But uh, the, again, those are the keys to Michigan's dominance. They're, they're not a team that's going to thrust a knife that's into your heart. They're going to bludgeon you to death. Uh, and, and that's what they've been for the past three years. I, I, you know, I'm not going to rehash it, but it's all, it's all it is. Um, next thing I want to talk about is, is some coaching mistakes that I saw over the weekend. Uh, Ohio State went to Maryland uh, and... Actually, I think Maryland went to Ohio State. My apologies. Um, uh, but Ohio, uh, but Maryland and Ohio State played. Um, yeah, Maryland went to Ohio State. Maryland went to Ohio State. They played. Uh, Ohio State beat Maryland 37-17. That is not the score that I think... Um, that That is a game where I don't think the, the score reflects how poorly... Ohio State played against Maryland. This game was tied at half. Uh, Ohio State scored 10 points in the set in the third quarter, and Maryland scored seven. In the fourth quarter is when Ohio State really pulled away and they scored 17 points. So 
with with three quarters done, uh, the score was twenty to seventeen. That is a really that is a really weak uh, uh, score line for that third quarter. And if you had turned off the 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 game right there, right then, you might have thought, oh, okay, Maryland and Ohio State, the the game will probably end up being. Uh, maybe 27 to 24 or something like that. Now it ended up being 37, uh, 17, but nonetheless, I think Maryland played a phenomenal game against Ohio state against a team that with some problems, I think in the quarterback area, Kyle McCord is a good quarterback. He's not near as talented as, as any of their previous quarterbacks, but with some problems on the offensive line, in my opinion, who isn't as talented as it has been in past years, and with some with some problems, I think in the quarterback area, they they really relied heavily on Marvin Harrison Jr., and that was very evident, very very evident in this game. He had eight receptions for 163 yards and one touchdown. Um, it doesn't get more reliance on that. And most of those, in my opinion, came or most of those, I believe came in, in like the third and fourth quarters. Um, he played a great game, no doubt about that, but Ohio state really couldn't run the ball against Maryland. And that's a huge issue because to open up that passing game, you need to run the ball. But if you can't run the ball, then you have to rely on your passing game. And it just kind of feeds its own circle of you need the passing game to open up the running game, but you need the running game to open up the passing game. And when neither of them are, are cohesively working, then, then you've got issues. Um, but in the fourth quarter, like I said, Ohio state was able to pull it out and they, they won. Um, they're not going to be able to do that against every team they face. Um, they're not going to be able to rely on, on Marvin Harrison jr. In the same way, uh, against Penn State as they did against Maryland. If they go out and uh, go out to play Penn State and they're still having trouble running the ball and they're trying to force the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr., well, you got issues. Like big issues. Because Penn State secondary is not weak enough to allow you to just do whatever you want to with Marvin Harrison Jr. and and still score 37 points. They're just not built that way, uh, which is a good thing for Penn State, not a great thing for Ohio State. So you got that. I also want to say people, I think people give too much credit to Kyle McCord, uh, and I don't think people give enough credit to Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best non-quarterback player in the country. Again, my opinion, hot take maybe, I don't know, but he, in my opinion, is the best non-quarterback uh, player in the country. I'm not saying I'm making this 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 connection, but if you have a great receiver, anybody throwing the ball to them looks like a great quarterback. It really does. Like if you have Randy Moss out there, I could be throwing the ball, and Randy Moss would look like the be- like I would look like the best quarterback in the world throwing to Randy Moss. That is what I think is happening here to Ohio State with Kyle McCord and Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is so good that he's making catches that aren't expected entirely of him, and he's running his routes and doing things that aren't entirely expected of him 
but he's making Kyle McCord look good in comparison. Um, and I, and I really think that that once he's gone and Kyle McCord is, is alone out there at Ohio state, uh, I think that we're going to really see, um, I think we're really going to see what Kyle McCord is made of. Now at that point, Kyle McCord might've, might, might've progressed enough that he doesn't need Marvin Harrison jr. But until we see it, we don't know that that's what's going to happen because we saw what happened against Georgia in the, in the, in the uh, semifinals last year, Marvin Harrison jr. Was knocked out of the game and Ohio state struggled. They lost their best receiver by far and their other receivers couldn't, couldn't, couldn't entirely cope with that situation. Um, they weren't able to make up that production um, and then they, they ultimately fell to, to Georgia. So, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is going to be, um, Oklahoma tops, Texas. Now, does Texas still have a path to the playoff? Yes. They have to win out. Uh, and, and I, even then I, I think that I, it's a long shot in my opinion, that Texas goes to the playoff. Um, but there is a possibility and I think Oklahoma has to lose. I don't think Oklahoma can win, uh, win out, and and Texas win out, and I I just don't think I don't I just don't see that happening. So I really think uh, Oklahoma has to lose, and Texas has to win out uh, for them to be for there to be any chance of 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 Texas making the the, the playoffs. Um, so next up is going to be can Alabama still make the playoffs? Yes, but they have to win their conference championship game. It's going to be like. Two years ago, where uh, Georgia and Alabama play in the conference championship game, uh, Georgia beats or Alabama beats Georgia. No, I'm trying to think. It was, yeah, Alabama beats Georgia. They both make it. Georgia beats Alabama in the national championship game. It's gonna. It, it has to be a situation kind of like that. I think. I think that was two years ago. Um, but it, it's. It's got to be a situation pretty similar to that, um, where where ba- Alabama has to make has to win their national or their, their conference championship game to make it in. Um, if they don't, there's there's almost no chance, in my opinion, that they that they win. And and it's because that loss is looking more and more less and less uh, spe- stellar. Um, so. I really think that that's going to be a, that's going to be a big sticking point. Uh, and then and then I was with. Um, Last weekend, I was with some family, and we were talking about uh, preseason rankings and and how important they are. And I'd, I actually hadn't thought about this uh, really in this type of level. And, and one of my uncles pointed out to me that if you are ranked preseason at 20, it is really hard to move up into the top four. It's very, very difficult um, because... I'll, because supposedly those four teams are, are the best in the country, and usually they do pretty well. Usually they either go undefeated or maybe they have one loss, but they usually do fairly well. So it's it's not an easy way. It's not there's no easy path of moving up. Um, it's it's not like it was in the BCS era where I don't want to say it was easy to move up, but it was slightly easier. Um, it wasn't easy, but it was slightly easier. Um, and, and you can make, you know, meaningful bowl games, um, even though you might've been 
six or seven. If you're six and seven nowadays, the bowl games really don't matter. I mean, they do if you're if you're that player and and if you know if you're playing the Rose Bowl or something like that, they do. But if you're really looking at it, the bowl games really don't matter. Not like it did in the '90s, where if you went to the Rose Bowl, that was the that was the biggest thing in the world, or if you went to the Cotton Bowl, that's a big thing, or whatever bowl it was, that was uh, you know whatever bowl big bowl was there, you you had huge huge amounts of 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 uh, of of meaning in that, and players weren't opting out. Um, and now when you look at, you know, you go to the GoDaddy Bowl and players are opting out. Um, I do think uh, expansion is going to help with this. You're adding more bowl games into the into the more meaningful uh, game, into the more meaningful bowls, and uh, less players are going to be opting out. And I'm totally cool with that. So uh, there's also, um, I'm going to talk about this a little more next year or next week, um, but the... The NCAA is finally starting to see that it actually has to make some rules to look um, useful, to look uh, uh, important. It actually has to to do something to 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 show its worth as an organization, and it's starting this in NIL. Now they should have done this ten years ago, and I've and I've already ranted about how awful the NCAA is. Uh, and, and and so we can get that out of the way. The NCAA is a terrible organization. I hate them. Um, I shouldn't say I hate. Sorry. I strongly dislike. I strongly dislike the NCAA. Um, but w- what they're doing now is they're starting to say, okay, we need to get this NCAA. We need to get this NIL stuff. Not NCAA, NIL. We need to get this NIL stuff under control. And we need to figure out what's even going on. Because nobody has any clue what's going on with NIL. It is the wild, wild west. Whew, okay, so they've got a they've got a big task in front of them. They're like, okay, whew, whew, man, all right. So we're going to do what the NFL does. If you want to pay our player, if you want to pay the NCAA's players, the if you want to pay the school's players, the the teams and their different things, you have to you have to join associations. So if you want to be an agent. You have to join an association that 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 I don't want to say license, but says okay, this agent's not going to take care, not going to take advantage of his clients. He's not going to be a, a terrible person. He's not going to be like okay, uh, yeah. So fifty percent of the money that you as a player receive is going to go to me as as my agent fee. He's not doing that. Uh, the 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 association wouldn't allow that. Then there's going to be, I, I believe they said there's going to be like a players association and a, and a, a school association. So like they, they all, they're all going to have to negotiate with each other at times, uh, which I, which I, I very much enjoy. I like a lot. Uh, I like that idea. The NCAA is finally doing something to step in and I'm going to go more in depth about it. I'm going to read more about it and see, you know, the, the specifics. Um, but I'm really excited about that because it shows that the NCAA is finally saying, Maybe we should take a step here. Maybe we should do something. This isn't going away, so why not? So, finally doing something. Great. Uh, and then the the last thing that I want to talk about is is Tez Walker. We talked mm, how long ago was it? It was a while ago about North Carolina's Tez Walker uh, and how 
he wanted to move closer to home because of some health, health, uh, mental health reasons and, and how the NCAA wasn't allowing him to transfer home and play, um, uh, a second season as, at his home transfer. I didn't like it. I you know, but they, that's what they were saying. And I was like, I'm not okay with that. I wasn't. And I'm, and I'm still not, but the NCAA came out, I think it was like last Friday, uh, and they said, you know what, we're going to allow Tez Walker uh, his eligibility to play. You know, great, it's halfway through the season. What? He's played six games, seven games, really. But they're doing it anyways, so I'm okay with that. But that's going to be it for this episode. I thank you guys for, for watching. I know this episode wasn't as... Uh, wasn't as uh, heavy in, in the information load. Um, I, I didn't have as much time as I would have liked to prepare, but I, I thank you guys for watching anyways. Um, and I, I, you know, I think we, we touched upon some really awesome things. Uh, this, this episode also had to be a little bit more condensed cause I have some other things going on that I have to get to today and I can't just spend the entire day recording or the entire day researching, but I do thank you guys for watching. Uh, we are on Spotify under the College Football Fanatics Podcast if you want to listen to us there. Um, if you do listen to us there, please, uh, please uh, drop a uh, review. Um, it's, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you're listening to us on YouTube, please drop a like and a comment down below. Uh, and I really thank you guys for watching. Uh, it, it has been, uh, it's been, it's been a privilege to really do this. Uh, and and uh, I really hope that you guys continue to watch. So uh, I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you and have a great day.